everyone and welcome to a new episode of the La Rouge Rugby Podcast as we focus on real Canadian rugby. I'm Stu Hardy, joined as always by Derek Brissett. Derek, first of all, I uh, hope you had a pleasant Thanksgiving. I know I did. I know and I wish all our viewers and listeners a pleasant Thanksgiving as well. Uh, and you know what I have to be really thankful for is that for the first time since 2019, we have World Cup rugby again. And it feels so good. Were you able to catch uh, many of the games? I know uh, some of them had a bit of a late start times for them. Yeah, no, obviously, uh, you know, kind of locked into a, to a lot of the games. Um, a hell of a lot better than watching baseball this weekend. Um, so that's yeah, always, that's, uh, uh... positive. Uh, had, you know, Thanksgiving did a pretty busy weekend. Had a, like three three different dinners that we had to go to. So there was a lot of driving around and, uh, you know, managed to catch some rugby in between eating like, you know, a lot of delicious meals, driving between those meals and crying about the Toronto Blue Jays. Um you know, just uh, it was eight one. Yeah, it was eight one. Um, eight, anyways, it was eight one. It was eight one, and um, that's a really big lead. You know, it's just I can't even think of an analogy. I'm still upset by this. Either way, uh, yeah, man, lots of obviously a lot of great rugby, the World Cup, uh, Premiership, and everything still kicking around. Obviously, the highlight's definitely going to be the World Cup. Um, the highlight right now is your Avatar: The Last Airbender shirt, which is outstanding. Um, so, you know, I'll uh, give that a little shout out. Ang and the gang, um, looking very nice there, Stu. It's uh, probably the, the best, uh, best piece of attire you've had since we started videoing these podcasts. So, oh, I'm glad you like what I'm wearing. So, see, I'm proven to everyone I do have impeccable fashion sense. Oh, d- so. oh, did people say otherwise? Have we gotten, have we been getting complaints on the, uh, com- uh not yet, but, uh, you know, for, for all our haters out there, at least I have a uh, great taste in TV shows. Yeah, and I mean, Ang has an arrow on his head, so it all comes together. It's a blue arrow too. Yeah, you know, together. we know which rugby team he was uh, supporting yeah. throughout his trials yeah, exactly. and tribulations. All right, well, you know, uh, after that diversion of a uh, fashion thing, you know, we always talk about something different before we get into the rugby. We have to mix it up a bit. Yeah, and we're uh, not talking about the Blue Jays because that'll take forever. That'll be the whole podcast. No, no. no we're having a positive podcast this week and definitely positive because not only did Canada play, Canada won as well. An absolutely brilliant game against Japan. Uh, the final score, Canada 41, Japan 5. We had Farris and Nelson getting a try, Miller getting two, and Tatosi getting a hat trick. Uh, Miller was able to get a conversion as well, and Degudi was able to get two conversions. You know, and and you know, this is um, it was Canada against Japan. Canada, the highest ranked team in the pool, versus Japan, the lowest ranked team in the pool. Uh, so you know, on paper, you kind of could tell where this was going all the way. It was very uh, first half dominant by um, Canada, They're getting most of their tries within the first forty minutes, only scoring two after half time. Mm-hmm. But at that point, it was also you know the game's already been decided, things are already going well enough, and. Uh, Canada were able to keep their defense firm enough to ensure that Japan, even though it looked as though they would get close to the try line, Canada were able to hold out to ensure the victory um, results uh, speak for themselves. So it is a 36-point advantage. And I was looking at the uh, Wikipedia page, and it's saying, like, oh, if the tournament was to end now, where would all the teams that... uh, were finished in the top two of their pools and the three highest finishers, right? And Canada would be ahead of France because of one point, single point difference. So England, obviously, they had a a barnstormer of a win against Fiji. We'll get into that a bit later. And then Canada um, have a 36-point advantage and France have 35. So Canada would be second. Yeah, well, I mean... It's a, it's a good thing the tournament's not over after one game. Oh, absolutely! That would be. Not. Think of imagine that. Eh? Wouldn't that be? Wouldn't that be something? They just give the uh, give the trophy, the unnamed trophy, to whoever won by the most points in the first round. And yeah, uh, yeah, and you know, I'm I'm still going to go on about. It. I still think we should be calling it the Flores Cup, but uh, you know, for now, yeah, 
But um, no, even just that, because obviously in the last World Cup in 2019, we had a few games cancelled because of uh, the typhoon. And I don't know how many typhoons New Zealand gets at this time of the year, but hopefully, hopefully it's hopefully none. But you know, we've uh, we didn't hopefully, have World yeah, Cup games cancelled until then. So let's hope that uh, the next two rounds of group play go ahead, and we can get a firm answer. Yeah, and you don't there. have to worry about that. All right. Yeah. But uh, anyway, um, but let's talk about this game itself because there were a few things that we need to talk about, especially in the second half. Now. Um, those that are able to watch know that it was basically a game of all seasons because it started off with overcast weather, then there was rain, then the rain stopped, and then by the end it was glorious sunshine. So, you know, make of that what you will. But um, obviously with the rain, there came handling errors from both sides. It seemed that a lot of opportunities Canada had to score tries ended up being knocked on on the try line. Uh, which was obviously like disheartening to see because this was a game decided by forward strength to then just have uh, potentially uh, potential extensions to the scoreline, which could obviously make a big difference when it comes to the quarterfinals, um, be reduced because they're just not able to get that final, the final few like millimeters or centimeters over the line to like get that ball down. It was just uh. It was a bit disappointing to say. Now, obviously, again, as I mentioned, um, weather did play a factor in it, but um, yeah, that and and kicking as well. So even though I said that Miller scored one conversion, that was one out of three, and De Goody scored two, but she missed two as well, so she was going to get half her kicks. So yeah, I'm not a hundred percent on where Canada are at the moment. You can say that, oh well, it's been a few weeks since their last game against Fiji and, you know, different, again, weather playing a factor and such, but, you know, these are things that they'll definitely need to focus before their next game against Italy. But Derek, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, um, you know, obviously there was like, I think looking online after, I think there was a, there was a lot of people that really want, seem to really want to point out the handling error thing. Um, which, you know, it's obviously something that you need to work on. And I mean, uh, Sophie de Goody and Kevin Rue in both in their post-match interviews, um, following the game, both kind of, you know, we're in my opinion, pretty clear that they think that Canada can play better than what they played, um, on the weekend against Japan. And I think a lot of that is just like, this, just like the little tiny, as you said, right? The little tiny execution things. Um, there wasn't, beyond like a few handling errors, like you said, a couple of them came at really unfortunate times, like with Canada pressing at the uh, Japan try line. But for the most part, like Canada completely dominated this game. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, like it's, you know, like I don't necessarily, I don't want to say that like, critiquing the handling errors or saying hey they can play better um especially when like basically sophie de goody like one of the players essentially after said that yeah we, they can play better um so it's like i don't necessarily want to say it's nitpicky to like be bringing up this this kind of stuff um because i don't it's not nitpicky because it's something that you know you're probably you can't necessarily get away with that um against the usa or against italy or new zealand australia england whoever you may be facing um after the pool stage Right. But um, for the most part, like, I mean, pretty happy with the way that they played. It was a completely dominant performance. The uh, the pack was outstanding. Um, You know, they uh, obviously the driving mall, um, just absolute weapon against Japan in this game. Pretty evident as Emily Totosi had, you know, the hooker has a hat trick. Uh, mm-hmm. and anytime a hooker is picking up a hattie, then, uh, you know, if you Obviously, know your malls working working pretty well. Um, yeah. Obviously, Nelson to that that's a fourth front row try, right? So it's like the uh, the forwards putting in a lot of work, um, you know. And I think the the pack dominance, um, like you know, Japan's Ken had a better scrum, Ken had a better line out, better mall. Um, obviously, at the breakdown, they were better. Um, so all the elements of the game that involved the forwards are making harder carries. Like you kind of said, the weather was there. 
um, for parts of the game. So, like, I don't necessarily think the attack got super involved from the backs um, for a lot of the game. But when it did, it was really effective. I mean, that the first try, which was just um, really, it was a really great kick by Tessier um, to pin uh, Japan deep in their own in their own end. And then obviously Cal Juvie came in with a nice charge down that fairies was able to scoop up and finish. Um, so that was some great work from, from the backs too. uh, Brianna Miller had a couple tries where she did a great job. I just identifying a gap, um, to the side of the rock on both occasions to go through. So like everybody was kind of contributing. It's just maybe, maybe the weather, as you kind of said, there's a couple handling areas and stuff, but maybe not as many opportunities to kind of do something flashy ball in hand. Yeah. Um, but they definitely worked with what they had. And I think too, like even um, one of the things I think that is really positive and stuff of this game too, is just the way Canada played as well when they didn't have the ball. Um, only real hiccup being after they scored the first try, they kind of allowed Japan to just march right back up the field and score. Yeah. Um, Right. And it's like that was a that was a great response from Japan um, with uh, Takano's try. But it's. You know, but like beyond that, like after that happened, I think Canada settled down a lot more. Right. Like it kind of felt like almost like that play needed. You kind of get like it's a lot of players first World Cups. Right. It's a big stage. Um, You know, that's kind of to be expected a little bit that the first game's not going to go perfectly smooth. Um, But I think like to like seeing like a player like uh, like Sarah Caljuvi, like what she did away from the ball too. obviously mentioned the charge down, but she was making some tackles, had some breakdown steals, um, you know, was doing uh, was doing well to help set up some uh, other tries too, or like had some good tackles and stuff that could lead to turnovers. um, Right. That eventually did lead to some of Canada's tries too. Um, So I thought that was really well. I thought, um, um, Forteza uh, also wa- had an outstanding games. Uh, you know, just great work rate, um, r- great work rate from the ruck. Um, you know, created a couple of turnovers, a lot of tackles and stuff. Everything that you want a flanker to do, um, she did right. So yeah. I think there's a you know there's a lot of players um, that played well and did you know and did good things away from the ball too. Um, and you know, just an overall, I think uh, like overall just. It's, I know, um, you know, there is stuff to be worked on, as I think, as I said, both the goodie, who I thought had a great game too, um, right down to making some breakdown steals and stuff to actually end the game at the end there. Um, but I thought, like, you know, the goodie had a good game. And I think with her comments and um, with Rue's comments, it's like they know that Canada can play better. And I don't necessarily, I'm not alarmed by any of like you know there was some handling errors and stuff japan had a lot of handling errors too and considering japan had a lot of handling errors and they had the ball for like four minutes in this game um it's you know i'm not as concerned about it um but i think it's one of those things where it's like you kind of look at canada's pool and you know it's like it's kind of nice that canada the draw ended up being kind of favorable toward Canada as far as the schedule yeah. goes, right? Yeah. It's nice to get a game against Japan to kind of work into the tournament and stuff, right? USA has to play it had to play Italy right out of the gate, right? So that's a that's a tough matchup for both of those teams. Italy obviously came away with a I believe it was what twenty two to ten win, yeah. um, but like that that's a that's a tough, like, I mean, this pool in general is tough. It was yeah. nice to get a game that you can, you know, put up a big score, kind of ease your way into the tournament where you're able to make some of those mistakes, but they yeah. don't necessarily bite you. Yeah. And, and, if there was a game to make mistakes, this is the yeah. one that you and want like, to do with it. The players and coaching staff both kind of seem to recognize it. And I mean, I'm, you know, you, it's, it's nice that it's like the way this World Cup set up, but it's, uh, you know, I believe what, because it's less teams. So we're not worried about like that random midweek game or playing games on like yeah. five. That, that is like, all uh, the games are pretty yeah. much on Saturdays, right? You're a week ish apart. Yeah. Um, so but, well, for, for us, the Sunday games are on Saturday. Yeah, so. exactly. Well, like whatever. But, but I get what you mean. As in, because stuff. there's only 12 teams, you can have yeah. two days of three games apiece and it works out fine. And therefore, no, exactly. every, everyone gets like similar rest and so, right. You have a normal work week um, where you can kind of work on everything, uh, and then like you know you go into next week and it's still like it's all like the norm, the typical standard rugby schedule. You play one game a week and it's usually on a weekend, um, right? So 
without having to worry about like a four day turnaround or something before a game yeah. like the black ferns or whatever yeah, um, like you know the Menza tournament equivalent is sometimes yeah. Um, which is nice. So it's like there's time to work on, tweak some of that stuff, um, work on some of those things. Um, really nice thing that I mean, other than some maybe some superficial cuts and stuff, it doesn't seem like anybody got hurt, um, at least on the surface level. So that's always I don't think so, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so at well, least the, the only injuries that apparently were prior to the game where yeah, uh, yeah, Dick oh yes, was yes. unable oh, to being correct, yes, participate, but. Um, that, I think that was just a fit. I don't know if that was an injury or if that was a fitness test because they said it was like an injury fitness test in the commentary, which, uh, you know, co- covers all bases. Yeah. Um, but, um, but yeah, well, as in, yeah, so, no, you're right. So that was, uh, that was Perry that had to get pulled out of the lineup. Right. So I, I mean, it Perry hopefully- and it was not just Perry. It was Perry and someone else. Uh, let me just. Check because research we do it all the time. <laughs> um, but yeah, as a um, there were no reports of any other players being injured or unavailable for the game against Italy at this yeah, point. So, so, so I mean, that's, that's obviously a good thing, right? Um, and yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah, so it's um. Every player got in the lineup. Uh, it was a big win. Everybody kind of contributed, and you no, know, so, sorry, I was wrong. It was um, Taylor Perry um, was had to be replaced. So Julia Shell, who was on the Shell. bench, and the, started and then Holly 10, came, and then Holly the came bench, in right? to the bench. Yeah. So. so hopefully, so yeah, so hopefully Perry's okay. Um, but I mean, you know, I think ultimately, like it's that's a solid that's a solid first game, and then. You got Italy next. That's on Saturday night. Sa- yes, Saturday it's night? it's again one of these confusing. It's Sunday, Sunday on the World uh, Rugby website. It is Saturday, Saturday for um, it's earlier though. It's like seven forty-five p.m. forty-five on Eastern Saturday. Um, perfect. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you can avoid being disappointed by the Leafs on Saturday night. Um, well, we shall. Pessimistic Toronto fan here. So, um, but so I mean, ultimately, that's a. Uh, I think you know. I think it's a. It's a good start, and I mean, Italy's obviously going to be a big test. Um, they looked great against the United States. Um, on the weekend, and obviously, yeah. you know, their build up to the tournaments, they beaten beating France. They're playing some really good rugby, and you know, they seem to kind of be a team that. It's really looking to uh, make some waves in this tournament. So yeah, um, it's a huge, it's a big game, right? Because it's yeah, you know, like, well, th- whoever wins this is likely to top the pool. It's like yeah, it's likely to top the pool. This pool could get get kind of crazy because you know, there's always some, you know, even uh, you know, if it, Canada USA games are always wild too, and, yeah, you know, so it's uh, um, those are, those will be exciting. And obviously, I guess the USA has Japan, which. Um, they're probably going to be looking to put up a big number on Japan too, because mm-hmm. that point differential yeah. might be a really big deal for them, depending on the results of the Canada Italy match, and then obviously their match against Canada as well too, right? So yeah. Um, overall though, man, yeah, can't complain. Um, I don't know. Yeah, uh, looking forward to seeing uh, what the lineup is if there's any changes. Um, be really interesting. I think the one thing I am really interested in, though, and probably won't get an answer until the actual Italy game, but I'd be curious to see who is kicking. Because mm. I don't know, like the vibe from this game kind of seemed like Miller missed a lot early, and then they were like, "Well, let's give the ball to Degudi," and then Degudi was only fifty percent. I know a couple of those kicks were tough, um, and we've already talked about the weather, which obviously also impacts kicks. So. Um, we'll see, but I'm not sure if either one of them really stood out as the one to be necessarily be taking taking the kicks going forward. So I'm curious to see who Rue uh, appoints to do that next week as well. Just take this week to focus on the kicking, um, mm-hmm. focus on where to take kicks from and um, whose best angles on the left and on the right of the posts and see as we go from there. But yeah, so that match against Italy... As we said, this coming Saturday, October 16th at 7.45 p.m. Eastern Time. But let's talk about the other results. October 15th is the Saturday. See, World Rugby's messing you up, too. Oh, 
God. October damn. 15th. October 16th. Damn. Yeah. So um, it is October 16th <laughs> locally, but for us, it will be 7.45 p.m. on Saturday, October 15th. But let's talk about the other games of the opening round. So the tournament kicked off. Now, I was always confused by this because I thought that the tournament hosts normally open the game, but apparently uh, that wasn't the case because the opening match of this World Cup was South Africa against France. Um, well, yeah, triple it's header a, at Eden Park is kind of cool, though. Yeah, and and actually a sellout. At yeah, Eden so I mean, as well. So congratulations to both South Africa and France for being. I think it's now the highest attended women's test game yeah i think that's technically the black ferns australia game though oh okay because i think there was yeah they were all i I think that's the actual highest attended one but all the games yeah it was cool though good opening day but yeah it was a you know very tough game for the um south african women's team up Mm -hmm. against france you know france are considered one of the favorites to go to the final four in this uh, tournament, in this World Cup. So, you know, putting up a tough show to begin with, but uh, there you have it. The opening score um, for the first game is uh, South Africa 5, France 40. So giving them that 35-point advantage. And if you thought that was a big score, boy, howdy, were England about to prove you wrong because they demolished the newcomers, Fiji. Although it should be said, Fiji did put up a very good fight. They were able to score 19, a very respectable score. England, on the other hand, 84 points. Good Lord. I think everybody was kind of cheering for Fiji in this game, though, right? And, and like, of course, so, everyone was cheering yeah. for Fiji. It's just me. No, they had some they had some moments though, man. Some of those the tries they scored were great. Uh yeah. and you know, everyone's kind of glowing. Obviously, you know, a team that has a lot of uh, big heart and stuff too. It's always fun to cheer for against essentially what is the I guess the juggernaut of women's rugby right now. Yeah. Uh 14 tries were scored by England, four of them huh. by <laughs> McDonald. Uh, so yeah, that's she should have Claudia five. McDonald. Probably six underperformed, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, you know, England better like just turn it all in, forget about it, leave it. Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely, just rubbish, wasn't it? In this, I don't know. Yeah. All right, and the final game that we held at Eden Park was the host game. Uh, New Zealand, Australia, and you know, uh, Australia started well, got up to a 17-0 lead at one point. <laughs> D- didn't stay that. Didn't stay that way. Uh, you know, it, this is the eight-one for Australia. Imagine if you were uh, an Australian Blue Jays fan this weekend. Yeah, uh, I, I would have sought help immediately. <laughs> yeah. F- final score: Australia seventeen, New Zealand forty-one. It's a uh, oh boy, it's a. Uh, that Hawker at the start of the game, though. Oh yeah, that was man, what a way to. That's awesome. Yeah, what a way to start the tournament, man. That was mm. unreal. The just yeah. the challenge Australia moving forward. Yeah. You know what? It, challenging the Hawker never ends well for the teams that do it, though. It never ends it well, never, but it's always like, good. Well, actually, you say that England England's men's team challenged the Hawker in 2019, and that turned out that all right. That did work out. That did work out. They got the mm. opportunity. You're right. You're right. That did work out. They beat the All Blacks and got the opportunity to get smoked by South Africa. That was that is true. That it worked. True. It worked temporarily. Right. It usually, what is that though? Like one out of fifteen teams that challenge the Haka it works out for them. Yeah, it. Okay. You know, it's best advised not to do it, but uh, it is what it is. So we then move on to the Sunday games. We started with USA versus Italy. So USA sixth in the world, Italy fifth. Um, I think this was opportunities wasted for the USA because they spent most of the first half in Italy's half and were unable to come away with points. The halftime score, USA 5, Italy 7. And then the second half, Italy turned on the burners and put uh, the USA away. For final score, USA 10, Italy 22, setting them up really well. Yeah, I guess like if you're USA, it's like I guess on the on the positive hand, you're like we ha- had all the possession territory 
in that first half, but the negative is you didn't do anything with it. Yeah, it's uh... so, I mean, and then Italy kind of made you pay for that in the second half. And um, yeah, man, I Italy is gonna be a tough game, I think, for Canada. Like that's that the team's that team's really good. Yeah, I, and I think even though Italy good too, because I feel like yeah. they kind of came out of nowhere. No, like I don't, I know. Uh... Yeah, I, I think Italy, because now you may say like, oh, well, uh, Canada beat Italy earlier this year in like the warm up games. I'm like that. It, it's a different Italy now. Yeah, I know. It's it's weird. Like they got they're like they look like a different team. It's bizarre. Like how yeah. much it's changed in like what? Yeah, four Th- things just seem to be coming together. And, you know, I think. I know, not as a disrespect to Japan or the USA, but I think Italy will be the toughest test for Canada in this pool. And yeah, so as in like everything coming for this game on Sunday for them, Saturday for us, you know, need to have full focus. It's going to be a good one. And the final game was Wales, Scotland. And we were saying last week, you know, this is basically whoever wins this finishes third in the pool. Um, yeah, it started off with uh, Wales getting the first point, Scotland able to answer them. You know, uh, a lot of indiscipline for Wales, picking up two yellow cards over the game. Scotland able to get that try just before the 80-minute mark. And then uh, Wales able to get that penalty um, right at the death, kick it over. That took Wales two points clear. Yeah, right there. You know, it's easy for me to talk about it after it's happened, but watching it back, oh my lord, right. Wales, why do you do this to me? Hey, man, at least at least they won. At least they won. yeah, they won. Yeah, it's all right now. At the time, at the not time. so much. That's but, uh, well, yeah. I mean, as as uh, most Toronto sports fans learn, it's much better to have the nerve wracking game and win than have the nerve wracking yeah. game and be devastated. Um, while you're stuffing your face. Yeah. Your so. yeah. All right. So, yeah, as we said, the second round of the pool stages will be happening this weekend and the games will be held on TSN. So make sure also, you check the listings and on your time zone to find out when those games are for you. Also, um, all the games are still archived on TSN.ca. Um, the app, not the greatest for finding them. Um, in fact, it's actually kind of rather difficult, but if you, uh, just grab a, grab a laptop or just uh, your web browser and go to tsn.ca, uh, you can pull up the on-demand section and all the, uh, all the g- games from the first weekend of the world cup are still there. All right. Let's move on because in the, we'll stick with world rugby for a moment because it has been announced that w- world rugby has bought rugby pass the most watched and uh, visited rugby websites, uh, you know, you know, after La Rouge Rugby, obviously. Um, <laughs> we don't have a website yeah. yet. So. Yeah, we have an email, and uh, World Rugby haven't got in contact with us yet, but we know, we know it's uh, just around the corner, you know. Um, now, obviously, uh, it's, this has come about, and, you know, it's a governing body has bought the press outlet of the most subscribed to rugby website um and you know squidge rugby has mentioned something about this of you know will can there be impartiality if you're if you own the narrative essentially if you own the outlet and talk about things like that so you know and and world rugby have come out and said they um don't want to impose any restrictions they don't want to take away from what rugby pass has done it's just that they become the owners and you know anything that's related to world rugby therefore has a more far-reaching uh outlet you know obviously world rugby saying they want to grow the game this is a means to do it but you know and i can understand where the doubts are from yeah like i i don't i think it's just it definitely feels weird, right? Like, um, I think the obvious thing that is kind of is it's like rugby pass, like 
obviously covers a lot of rugby and stuff. And I think that is kind of the, the point of it is like the point of concern is really like if world rugby does something or something happens, there's a rugby story that comes out that maybe doesn't paint rugby or world yeah. rugby in the best light. Like is rugby pass going to like cover that properly? Yeah. Um, right. Which I think is one of the, uh, I guess the biggest concerns right now. Um, and and I think that's kind of a justified concern because it is kind of weird. Yeah, um, it, to have it, it is govern- definitely strange. The governing body of a sport like owning, you know, I mean, like owning, um, owning the media outlet. Like, I mean, like, uh, like one of the biggest news stories right now in in our country, anyways, is uh the hockey Canada scandal. Yeah, uh, that's been going around, and it's like, like, could you imagine if Hockey Canada owned TSN and Sportsnet? Like, that would be like, would it be yeah. Like, own no. the reporters that are digging through this? Yeah. Like, would it? Like, yeah. Would Would you find out about this story? Or would you find out about it in thirty years time? Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, it's kind of it's kind of weird. Like, it seems like there should be like some sort of gap, especially considering it's like a like essentially like, like I'm, it's not a government, but it's like being in a major governing body. Yeah. Um. Like, I mean, the other hand is is that like obviously like. There's a lot of leagues or other governing bodies that do make like their own content and stuff, right? Yeah. Like, there's there's people that work for the NHL that just write for like NHL.com and stuff, and that's like that content's great and everything. But it seems like owning like one of the the bigger outlets. Yeah, uh, something I should clarify as well is that this um, acquisition has been done in partnership with Sky New Zealand, who have yeah. also secured the exclusive rights for every uh, World Rugby major event um, through to 2029. That includes the uh, Rugby World Cups, the upcoming WXV uh, tournament from next year, as well as Sevens. Does that mean Sevens World, World Rugby Cup. owns Sky New Zealand now? No, it's, no. Okay. it's a case of World Rugby in conjunction with Sky New Zealand okay, yeah. have made this um, uh, acquisition. I don't... So, it's, so it's not just World Rugby. It is also Sky Media or, I... or is it yeah. News International own media. So ultimately, it's just one of those things where it's like on the surface, it seems like it could be bad, but I suppose it might not end up being bad. But I think... Yeah. I think we'll really get the answer when it's like the first thing, whatever that thing may be that happens that we're like, Oh, like a lot of the media is criticizing it, but what's rugby pass doing kind of the story yeah. comes out, whatever that story may be. Um, yeah. Right. And uh, once, once that happens, I feel like maybe we'll kind of get a better idea of if this is going to have an impact and stuff. And, you know, yeah. it's, uh, it just it's just it just does feel kind of weird though. I don't don't know if like a a governing body should necessarily be owning media that they're not like officially associated with. Yeah, something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, but yeah, it, yeah I, I think that's I think that's fair. Like, it doesn't it's completely so sit right with me, but at the same time, this has only just come about, and it would be a case of even though they've said it, it's like. The next scandal that comes out, whether it's, um, well, the next scandal or the next story to come out from World Rugby, if it's reported on by Rugby Pass, how is it reported on? If it is reported at all, that will be yeah. the discussion that we can I think have then. That's the thing. It's like, I think, I think there's reason to be skeptical with it. Um, yeah. But at the same time, it's uh, like, may- maybe we just got to wait and see how it actually plays out. Um, it's definitely unusual though. So yeah, I guess we'll see how it goes. But um, I don't know. It's it's fascinating. I'm interested to see how it goes. Uh, feels weird initially, but I don't want to like just blat just blatantly hate on it until I see uh what rugby pass is actually going to end up looking like in the near future. Yeah. All right, we're going to move on. We're going to stick with Rugby Canada this time, but we're going to talk about their uh, smaller team, or as they prefer to be called, the uh, men's senior team. Um, so first thing we should mention is last week we talked about the Pacific Pride joining SLAR and those rumors. Um, South America Rugby has um, been on social media to say they're going to make an official announcement on October 27th. So put that date in your diaries, uh, seeing if 
SLAR will be changing its name to Super Rugby Americas or uh, see um, which American and which Canadian teams are joining. If any, which uh, South American teams will be involved next year, we will find out then. Now we move on to the America's Rugby Trophy news because the squad has been named for the ART, which will be held in Brazil with games against uh, host Brazil as well as Chile in uncapped 15s games. So the squad's been announced and there are 13 players who will have the opportunity to get their first appearance in a men's 15s test. See, I'm having to use the words... <laughs> differently because normally they say oh they have the opportunity yeah. to get their first cap no they don't because they're on cap games Untapped, but yeah. uh, uh three of the guys are from the sevens they're all in the outside backs so those include um deshaun bowen josiah mora and alex russell and the others are you know some mlr players as well as pacific pride players who played in the uh u20s tournament earlier this summer um so the the as yet uncapped players include emerson Pryor, kyle steves connor young isaac kelly callum botcher matt klimchuk uh owen rattan um uh gabe casey and then takoda and talon mcmullen um who both come from UBC Thunderbolts. A lot of UBC guys on this list. Yeah. So, well, I mean. But even uh, like the MOR guys that are listed too, there's still a lot of UBC guys. Um, exactly. So, um, I don't know. What did you think of the uh, the squad, Stu? I'm curious. I thought, you I thought the squad... I'll let you go first with the actual opinions too. Uh, you know, uh, so... You know, we have a lot of MLR guys in here as well who have yet to make the first cap we um and also for an uncapped team and focusing on young players we also have you know guys who are still struggling to break that ceiling such as lucas rumble ben lesage <laughs> kyle bailey uh okay. but you know, but to be honest i can say that seeing as the game against um the all blacks 15 is cancelled these guys now have a bit of spare time and it's good to get you know, some tutelage from the guys who have been around a bit longer in the uh, senior men's camp as well to help them out. So, you know, I, I'm i not overtly against it. In fact, a lot of the players in the squad, even those with caps, most of them are 10 caps or fewer, really. So I'm not... I'm not against it. I, I couldn't understand Kingsley Jones coming in and saying like, oh yeah, we'll bring these guys with the experience and then we have the new um, new recruits come through and stuff like that. Um, interesting thing that came in this list is uh, Graydon Bowd was not only just listed as uh, with Castaway Wanderers, uh, it was also listed as with Old Glory DC. So are we having an Andrew Coe situation here where uh, Rugby Canada get ahead of announcing before an MLR team does. Yeah, I mean, I guess so. That's kind of become the thing. I mean, the same announcement does still say Connor Keys plays for uh, Rugby ATL, though, so who knows? Um, yeah. Well, it didn't even have uh, Owen Return listed as a uh, Toronto Arrows, and it was just a few days prior that he was officially announced as with the team. So Cup Rugby Canada, you know, <laughs> High performance review said you have to work on communication. This is the basics, man. Come on. Yeah, I think kind of um looking <laughs> yeah, true. Um, I think though, kind of like looking at the squad, like I um was super happy. I'm super happy to see that there's um you know, it's been the thing that we've been uh asking for like basically all year, right? Like get a few new faces into the squad, right? And uh maybe the fact that these games are on capped is giving Kingsley Jones the confidence to to actually try uh, some new players out mm -hmm. um, right because that's I mean that's been a thing that we've been calling for um I, I see your point about guys like Lucas Rumble Ben Lesage um to be honest the, the only position that I'm kind of like hmm like why like why like 
every position kind of seems to have like like one or two like veteran sort of guys in there mixed in with like you know a whole bunch of new players or yeah. a whole bunch of younger guys except Locke, which is Kyle Bailey, Connor Keys, Josh Larson, and Isaac Kelly. Yeah. I'm just kind of like, I don't know if you need all three of Bailey, Keys, and Larson there. Um, if the idea is to see new players, like why not send, you know, a guy like Donald Carson or Frank Carson or something, for example, right? Like why not go, why not try to, well, I mean, who is, I was on the roster for the last um, tour as well, right? Yeah. And it's like, why not have a guy like him in this lineup or whatever? I mean, again, obviously none of the year, there's obviously a guy like Dugid or something, but I mean, none of the European guys are here again. So maybe that has a factor into that. Well, I, well, I, get, I just want to point out as well that these games do games not take fast. place in yeah. the test window anyway. So, yeah, they so they're probably they wouldn't be available. available. Yeah, that's an excellent point. Um, but, so like, but that's the thing, right? Like, I'm kind of like, oh, like, I don't, uh, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know why. Like, I just, that's the only position that I'm kind of like, like, I'm not really sure, like, why you would bring three veteran locks, right? Um, But, you know, but beyond that, though, I like, I like everywhere else. Um, yeah. To be honest, though, like, I think in kind of keeping with that theme, like, I would almost still... Like I would almost necessarily like not want to see a lot of the veteran guys actually in the lineup. Um, yeah, you know what I mean. Like have them down there almost as like quasi like coaches in a yeah. way or whatever, or maybe like bring them bring like you know have like one or two vets in the pack or maybe a vet that you can pull off the bench in the second half. But yeah, like you know what I mean. Like I. Like, for example, like, I am much more interested in watching, like, Matt Klimchuk and Kalem Botcher than I am watching Lucas Rumble in a game like yeah. this. Yeah, I like, get that. And that, that, like, that's not, like, a knock on Lucas Rumble or anything. It's no, just, it's yeah, just he, that you've seen him. Yeah, he's you, you know how good he yeah. is. You want he's to see captain. someone else prove that they can match that level. Exactly. Like, Rumble's the captain. He's one of the best players on the team. Yeah. Right. And it's like, I know that. I'm sure every like I know that everybody knows that, right? But it's like I'm much more curious to see what a guy like Klimchuk or Botcher or even like Vikilani, who has a couple of caps but hasn't really uh hasn't necessarily really had like a huge game on the international stage yet. Yeah, that's um, fair. So it's like give him and like uh give them like the minutes and stuff. And I mean Corey Thomas is a guy that's kind of like I know he doesn't necessarily have a lot of caps, but he's uh you know like he's an older player as well. Like, yeah. right. So, you know, just because like he came over from Australia or something, uh, actually, how old is he? I think he's 31 now. Uh, no, he's 28. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. so sorry, Corey. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So Corey Thomas, 28 years old. Right. So that's like, I wouldn't necessarily consider that a young player um, by no. rugby standards, which I mean feels very awkward saying since I'm 30 years old. So I mean, call yeah. this guy 28, not yeah, but it's like it is sort of, I guess, the nature of pro sports, right? So yeah, um, you know, uh, so like Thomas, uh, like like I would just rather, really rather see like the younger guys get their moment, I guess. Yeah, um, like and a chance to kind of showcase what they can do especially like fly half on this squad i think is interesting too uh you know uh no will kelly which again probably goes back to your original point of the fact that he's playing in europe and it's not there in the test window yeah um but either way um the two there's three fly halves that are on this roster right you have uh gabe casey who the yeah. arrows drafted from uvic Graydon Bowd, who I guess plays for Old Glory, who knows? Well, who will play for Old Glory? Or yeah, will exactly. And you have Robbie Povey, who is um, can play fly half, but he's probably a better fullback than he is a fly half. Yeah, he, well, he played fullback for all of uh, MLR twenty twenty two. Yeah. So um, he play he can play fly half, but he's he is a better fullback in my opinion. Um, yeah. but play there. My biggest concern with kind of looking at that is like, man, we we gotta develop some 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 fly halves, guys. Like, um, yeah. right? And like, great and bowed again. Like, again, it's gonna feel weird because we're the same age, but 
Like he's 30 years old, um, yeah. which means the next time Canada can play at a World Cup, Graydon Bow is going to be 35. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, yeah. Yeah. God. Yeah. Right. Pull so it's double. like, like, you know what I mean? And I mean, like, I don't necessarily see that's like, I know he only has 10 caps. So by the number of caps, he seems kind of like a new ish player, a developing player, but he is 30 years old. Right. So, um, it's kind of like how much if you use great and bow, like how much runway do you have with him? Right. Yeah. Versus like, so, I mean, like, and I don't know, like Gabe Casey, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing, obviously he's an arrows draft pick too. Yeah. Um, so definitely want to check out his game and stuff. And, you know, uh, I, I'm looking forward to seeing a lot of these players get, um, get some shots. And I think like, I said, like, I look at like the midfield. I think that's exciting. You got, uh, obviously, uh, the McMullen twins, um, in the middle there. And then Josh Steele from San Diego Legion and Ben Lesage. And I think even that to me is a situation where, like, if I'm picking the lineup, I, I maybe, I would probably go with, some combination of the two McMillans and Thiel and just have Ben Lesage. Like what, what, like what else do you need to see from Ben Lesage right now? Like, I think he just, you know, yeah. it's like we got some test matches coming up and test matches, no matter what are always important. Right. So like, yeah, you can kind of do that. And I think like, I don't know, like I just, yes, in my opinion, like I kind of looking through this roster, like I'm way more excited and intrigued by watching the, uh, the younger guys play. Right. And seeing what some of these new faces have to offer the team. And I kind of like I kind of hope some of the vets are, you know, going on the trip to kind of, you know, lend more of their uh, their brain power and expertise in that way and try to, like, you know, teach uh, some of the young up and coming players uh, what it's like to be on the national team, um, get them to like kind of learn the ropes that way. But I hope, uh, you know, I hope I hope they're this tour kind of has a bit of a focus on those younger players so um despite the fact that there's a lot of vets that are still on this yeah. roster that's what i'm hoping for all right well it's funny that you mentioned test matches because it has uh, been announced through america's rugby news that canada are set to play two tests in europe next month and uh, next month being november of course so finally we have some november games for canada uh, first of all, we have the game against the Netherlands on Saturday, November 12th. And then we have a second match. And this is the match the world has been waiting for. Because you you remember at the start of the podcast, I mentioned about, you know, what uh, Rugby World Cup games being cancelled because of the typhoon yeah. in Japan. One of those games, England-France... Now, that was played in the Six Nations the following year. Another game, Italy, New Zealand. That took a bit longer, but that was played uh, last autumn. So another game was, was cancelled. Another game was cancelled, and it has now finally been confirmed of happening because Namibia are playing Canada on Saturday, November 19th. And like in the, the World Netherlands. Cup, it will be held at a neutral venue, hopefully with no uh, tropical storm or typhoon to disrupt it. I don't think that's an issue in the landlocked country that is the Netherlands. The landlocked country of which most of it is below sea level. Yeah, I hope the Netherlands is a landlocked <laughs> country now that I said that. It is definitely not a landlocked country. Is it not? Yeah, okay, that's, I'll, I'll eat that. I'll wear that one. That was The yeah, Dutch Grand Prix is on a beach, for crying out loud. Is it? Well, I don't, I don't... Okay, you know what? I'll wear that one. That's on me. That's... Uh, that's, that's I'll, yeah, I'm sorry. I apologize to all Dutch people. Um, yeah. yeah. So, so when, that. I'm pretty, when I'm, Canada arrives on their ferry... Into, yeah, it's uh, a big part Netherlands. of like Canadian World War II history too. I feel like I should know where this country is located a lot, uh, a lot better. Unbelievable. Yeah, that was yeah. terrible. Come to um, me for the geography, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, yeah, um, no, apparently. But yeah. yeah, this will be and um, yeah. So the last time they faced Namibia was actually in 2014 in Wales, and uh, the press release does mention that they were to face in the. 2019 Rugby World Cup, but Typhoon Higibis um, prevented that. Um, so, and they said a number of Canada's test side will first travel south to Sao Paulo, 
where 13 man squad will play non-cap matches, the ones we have just been talking about. So it may even be a case that a lot of the squad we have listed for that um, uncapped tour may be able to get their first caps against the Netherlands and maybe even Namibia. So currently Canada are ranked 23rd in the world. Uh, Namibia are 24th and the Netherlands are 28th. So uh, between those two positions is Belgium. Um, Canada have played Belgium this year and last year. Did not concede a single point against them. So you know, hopefully they can do the same against the Netherlands or at least get a win. Um, Namibia, however, will probably be the tighter contest. Namibia, of course, going to the World Cup. Um, and Canada can, you know, finally get the answer of which of those teams would have finished higher in the pool stages if it hadn't been for yeah. that typhoon. Also to mention is that it was announced by Kingsley Jones that uh, John McFarland will join Canada for the um, uncapped tour and possibly for the uh, European tour as well as a defense coach. John McFarland has um, previously been the Springboks uh, assistant coach as well as assistant coach for the Bulls and uh, Stade Francais as well and it was announced that uh, John McFarlane will be linking up with the Houston Sabercats after the conclusion of the um, awesome tests so Sabercats fans, uh, Robbie Povey especially, uh, definitely have something to look forward to with uh, that announcement coming through but as we veer into MLR content we should talk about the two latest signings for the Arrows so uh, America's Rugby News pointed out that Shane O'Leary had left uh, Ruin Normandy in the D2 at the end of last season, just in time to fly back and watch, I believe it was the Arrows game against New England um, in Toronto. I think, I think he was around for a couple at the end of the year, actually. Uh, I think he probably was, but I, I definitely remember him being around that one because that was yeah. like the, the, just after it was announced. Well, the latest announcement is that Shane O'Leary will be joining the Arrows for 2023. So a Canadian fly half. One goes to Europe, another one comes back from Europe. So, you know, fair immigration, all fine with me. And it was announced today that uh, Gene Simington, uh, the, a hooker, has signed from Hawke's Bay. Uh, you know, and he has uh, playing experience, obviously, with um, other players in Hawks Bay, including um, Arrow Lalani Faleva. He has also trained with uh, Sam Malcolm earlier in his career. And uh, Francisco de Forma is the yeah, coach. Yeah, the well, yeah, I think uh, Francisco did most of the legwork, being also like the scrum coach for Hawks Bay as well. So. <laughs> that's, no, works that's, out for him. that's basically what his quote is in the press release. Yeah. Like, uh, Franny got in my ear this season about how special it is to play in Toronto or whatever. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, obviously that's good. Um, you know, bringing in guys like that, obviously, you know, he's played with, he played with Malcolm um, for the turbos too. Um, yeah. So if you kind of bringing in guys that have a little bit of familiarity, I think it got, does kind of make it easier. Um, like especially for like some of those international signings and stuff, right? It's always nice to, uh, you know, if you're moving across the halfway across the world or whatever, it's nice to have a couple familiar yeah. faces in the locker room. Yeah, and it does. I think like the word of mouth is like the most yeah. convincing factor for a lot of players. So when um, the Arrows had their big uh, South American influx back yeah. in, I think it must have been for 2021. Yeah, now we're um, a lot of the guys said, "Oh, the reason I joined is because." Um, Levas or Mirez um, yeah. talked about it and said how much they loved it here, and that was the reason why uh, they joined. So now we're getting a lot of uh, Kiwis and Aussies coming over too, especially the guys that played in like the Shoot Shield, or sorry, I guess especially like you know the guys that have uh, have played with um, some of the other Arrows players and coaching staff familiar, right? So there's a little bit of that familiar. Yeah, and well, obviously it helps for. Um, I think because like obviously some of the players have uh, Canadian eligibility, such as uh, Mitch Ben, 
uh, sorry, Nick Ben. Sorry, getting uh, my names mixed up. I apologize. But um, I think it was also a case of Grindall like, too. Pardon? Connor Grindall too. Yeah, as well. Uh, but I think it was uh, just after Nick Ben was announced as joining, it was, um, I think it was on the Arrows social media platform that uh, he was also then pictured with Peter Smith. Yeah. So it seems like the coaches have been going down, getting the word out there, finding out, uh, did your granddad or parents have a Canadian passport by any chance? And yeah, uh, good. been able to sort it out that way. So, yeah, no, obviously working it's good. well. I'm looking forward to, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing them obviously with the uh, departure of Andrew Quatrin. Yeah. Uh, that is a big spot to fill on the spot. It is a big spot to fill. We did report on it uh, previously. And it was confirmed. Now it's been made official by the New England Free Jacks that uh, he will be joining the. He will be joining them, and uh, as I said, I'll be cheering for him when he comes onto the pitch and stopping as soon yeah. as the whistle starts. Yeah. So yeah, so it's like obviously with the departure of Andrew Quatrin, that's a big hole that needs to be filled in. Cementin kind of seems like he's uh, looks like the guy that the arrows are hoping are, is going to be able to do that. Right. So yeah. um, a little bit of familiarity with the forwards coach, a little bit of familiarity with some of the other players on the team too. It definitely always helps. Um, Shane O'Leary. Awesome to see him back in Canada. Um, yeah. The It's great to see the MLR having more Canadian fly halves. Yeah. Um, always good. Yeah. It's always good. Um, as we kind of mentioned earlier, the arrows drafted a fly half in Gabe Casey. Now, right, so that that they haven't officially announced this signed yet, but they drafted a fly half. Um, then so now you got Shane O'Leary and Sam Malcolm, which um, two I guess high profile fly half signing. I think um, we'll see how the rest of the roster shakes out, but this might open up the discussion on how. The uh, match day, the match day twenty three, and the starting fifteen, um, actually shape up. Like, do you, is there a possibility that we go um, O'Leary fly half, Malcolm fullback kind mm-hmm. of setup, or you know, um, I, I suppose are are or are other signings going to change that? Um, and you know, might change yeah. our outlook on what that ends up being. Um. So obviously, you know, some options. We'll see how the rest of the roster shapes out. But I think it's exciting to see some more Canadian fly halves in the league, um, you know, and uh, also, uh, which I guess kind of goes hand in hand with, as we said earlier, great and bowed, um, at least according to Rugby Canada, looks like he, uh, he's signed with Old Glory DC for next year, too. Yeah. So Yeah. So now we have uh, the Arrows have uh, officially signed 16 players. Uh then can't really make a starting 15 just yet. After all, yeah. uh, one of their flankers and uh, centers are currently playing in Scotland. Travis Larson's so. scrum half. Let's do it. Yeah, you know. Well, actually, don't don't jinx scrum half. We all know what happened last year. That's what Travis Larson's <laughs> going to play scrum half. Durability. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Well, hopefully it doesn't come to that, but we shall see. Do you have any and, evidence that he can't do it? Uh, no. I can't stump me on that one. Right. If you are looking to watch rugby this weekend, uh, as we've mentioned, the Rugby World Cup taking place in New Zealand, you can watch all those games on TSN, the TSN app, and tsn.ca. Currently in Europe is the Premiership and URC, and those are available on Sportsnet. And if you enjoyed listening to this episode of the podcast, you can listen to more on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor FM. If you enjoyed watching our faces and you would like to see more content, including post-match interviews with players, you can do so on our YouTube, which is at La Rouge Rugby. In fact, we are across all social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Again, at La Rouge Rugby. Derek, where can the fine people find you? at Percept the Jet across all social media platforms. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Hardman, spelled H4RDMAN. Well, Derek, thank you for joining me for another episode of the La Rouge Rugby podcast, focusing real Canadian rugby. Thank you all for joining us for this episode. We hope you can join us again next time. <laughs>